Thompson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wormold. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Rioli, spin, grips, goal, superb from the Eagles. Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Shake needs to be in perfect yells. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host Honey Badger 35 and coming up on this week's show, we'll recap all the news from what was a remarkably busy bye week, take a look at the latest injury updates, look ahead to the Beagles' biggest game of the season and preview this Thursday's clash between the West Coast Eagles and Essendon. Once again, I am joined this week by Miguel Sanchez. How are you, mate? I'm good, yep. Still here, hanging around, like a like a bad smell. Excellent. I was trying to, trying to think of a better saying there, but... No, that's a pretty good one. Tried and true classic. We have come off a bye week just now. Did you spend your bye week watching more football, less football? Obviously, no Eagles game to pique the interest. So what was your football consumption like over the weekend? I went up to Broome, hung out with some of the players, um, did some touristy stuff. No, not really. Uh, I sat on the couch and watched, yeah, watched a few of the games, I think, the Thursday night and the Friday night game. Fair enough. Very good. No, the reason I ask is because I think I've probably watched more footy this year than I have in any season prior, and on the weekend I barely watched the footy at all. Could not care less about it without the Eagles, uh, as it turned out. But we will get into the Eagles in just a second. Also joining us this week is Mr KK. How are you? I'm good. Happy to be here in this safe space, free of any behavioural awareness officers. Christ. I, having just said I didn't watch the footy, I tell you what, that's been dominating all of the headlines and Twitter and you know, Fox footy and all, everything this weekend. What a mess that all is. What's, what's your take on that? Oh, it's laughable that it seems confined to Victoria given their regular bedwetting about Perth crowds. They seem to be the ones having a problem. But I thought they might have taken a few lessons from the A-League about what happens when you uh, go over the top with security and how that affects your crowd and attendances. But we'll see. Yeah, we certainly will, uh, as you touched on there. I mean, look, you'd never catch an Eagles crowd doing anything like that, so good luck to Victoria, nice and farcical over there. But hey, let's get straight into it. Suff Victoria, let's talk about West Coast, and let's dive straight into the news. Uh, as I mentioned up top, this was probably one of the busiest bye weeks in recent memory. I mean, the Eagles obviously didn't play, and yet they seemed to dominate the headlines to a fair degree in the build-up to round 13. Let's start with the first bit of news, and it's kind of bittersweet, so I don't want to dwell on it for too long, but there was some news coming through at the start of last week that Mark Lacroix had actually saved the lives of a couple of people uh, from sort of a wreckage of a car crash that he was passing. Now, obviously, a story like that and a personality like Mark Lacroix, there was a fair bit of interest, but... Unfortunately, there was a third passenger in the car uh, who could not be saved. So, as you know, that's clearly much, much bigger than football. And uh, while I'll acknowledge that, it's probably best that we stay out of it, I suppose, for our purposes. So there is plenty on the internet if you want to read about that story. But pretty much that was the tip of the iceberg for what was a, a strangely Eagles-heavy bye week, I suppose. Look, as I said, let's let's take things back to the football field. And the first bit of football-related news as it pertained to the Eagles this week a few rumblings that there were going to be some fairly big inclusions in the waffle this week. Now, we'll get to the waffle shortly, a little later on in the show, but, you know, up top now, we might as well talk about one of perhaps the biggest shock returns to football this season. 
and that is Drew Petrie coming back to play for the mighty West Coast Eagles. Now, he'll be playing for the Beagles this weekend, possibly. Obviously, spent that one season with the club after ages with North Melbourne and made quite an impact. Bit of a cult hero. He's been developing and coaching at the club since. And uh, KK, it looks like we've asked him to pull the boots back on. According to the club, he's spent the last month building the fitness base up. And, uh, yeah, we might be seeing Drew Petrie this weekend playing for the mighty West Coast Beagles. What do you, what's your take on that? What a comeback. Uh, he must be my favourite one-year Eagles player of all time. Uh, I've watched the elimination final a number of times, and, yeah, that, that, that was um, his penultimate game for us. And, yeah, he was, he was fantastic that day, and he was... Um, Yes, it had such a great impact on the club in the one year that he played for us and was a really good pickup. And it sounds like he's, he's had a good start to his coaching career. It's a bit funny, we were talking last week about having an overload of tools in our waffle tape. And now we've got uh, Drew Petrie lacing on the boots, which you would think is almost like an emergency move. So I don't know exactly what's going on as to why, why he's required. But um, yeah, a popular player, and it'd be good to see him run around one more time. Yeah, it's interesting, and I think it's something we'll probably touch on as well. Uh, as I'm sure everybody listening to this is aware, there are a couple of other very big inclusions to the waffle side this week. But everything from the club seems to indicate that this was club-driven. So uh, it's certainly something where, look, the the Beagles are on the bottom of the waffle ladder as it stands currently. So perhaps another key post to kick to and maybe a bit of influence in the ruck. Uh, we will see how that one goes. But anyway, Miguel, look, the 36-year-old, he's back. Uh, he's been out of the game for a little while in a playing capacity, but obviously still heavily involved in the club. So what are your thoughts on seeing Big Drewy uh, pull on the boots this weekend? Uh, yeah, from a personal point of view, yeah, great to see him um, back out. And, yeah, love him almost as much as KK does by the sound of it. But, um, yeah, I suppose we'll go into a bit in the, the waffle report, but it is going to make us this week, I think, very tall. Um, and the weather forecast for the weekend is pretty appalling, so it's not the best time to do it. Um, I, I think the club might have um, sort of asked him to start doing a mini pre-season a few weeks ago when we were running out of key position players, uh, but we've we've got a heap of them coming back in this week, um, in, including one who I think we'll, we'll talk about shortly, but we've got Brooksby, Williams, uh, McInnes should be back this week, Rotham will probably drop back to the waffle this week, so we're going to be very tall, which will be interesting, um, would have been handy to have him a couple of weeks ago, yeah. but yeah, um, great to see him. It's still able to play at 36 and yeah, hopefully has an impact. And he'll be the sort of guy that will be a leader on field as well and will be directing the guys like Williams and Jared Cameron and those sort of guys you know, how to play in the forward line. So that'll be good. Yeah, we've sort of bemoaned over the last few weeks that initially it seemed like we were getting some really great output from the top-up players, but perhaps now there's too many for it to be sustainable at a waffle league level like that. So, yeah, getting a veteran in, and I suppose nobody would be expecting too much I wouldn't hope in terms of direct output but uh, yeah good to get a veteran leader around there and, and we'll see what happens on the weekend it could certainly be uh, well should be a very fun one and I would certainly say it's probably the most anticipated waffle game in a long long time we will circle back to the waffle in a moment so stay tuned for that one but let's keep powering on with the news and last week before any of the games were played there were also a few rumblings going around uh, about contract signings for the West Coast Eagles. Now, Nick Natanui, he is going to be a prominent feature in this episode. This is the first piece of Nick Nat news. There is talk that he has been offered a three-year deal from the club. Now, that's according to Steve Butler from the West Australian. 
Nick Nat's on an absolute ton at the moment. I know he gets money away from the field as well in terms of his media appearances, ambassadors, all this sort of business. But uh, from a salary point of view, Nick Nat will need to take a pay cut and he's indicated that he's pretty happy to do so in the media over the last couple of months. So three-year deal on the table for him. And interestingly, afl.com.au also reporting that both Jack Darling and the Eagles are keen to come to a new agreement soon. Now, Jack Darling's contract doesn't finish until the end of next season. With Nick Nat, he needs a deal done shortly because he finishes up at the end of this year. But there's two guys that, uh, KK, it looks like the club is pretty keen to get their business done early. And I'd be interested to know your thoughts on, A, those two contract offers, and then also, B, does this indicate that you think maybe the club's ramping up for a couple of off-season plays, you know, a Kelly, a Caniglio, these sorts of types? Oh, I definitely think they're trying to get their, their house in order so they know where where they're at at the end of the year, and and that's that's good business. Well, we do seem to do a pretty good job with our, with our contract. We don't have these things dragging on too late into the year. We're not privy to all the details, but as you say, Nat Nui would be taking a pretty significant hit and his last contract would have been pre-two knee reconstructions and we don't really know how, how he's going to come back but he seems like he's going to be happy with a reduced deal. Darling, I heard rumours about Western Bulldogs which I pretty much dismissed as... I think some journalists put something on Twitter and then someone else reported it and then someone else reported it all based off one baseless source of information. Um, I don't think he was ever going to leave leave the Eagles and, and yeah, that'd be, be good to have him signed up and um, that'd probably be the second last contract of, of his career maybe. And, but as you say, I think it's more about we want to know what position we're at at the end of the year because we'll certainly be, have to go hard for, for Kelly or Caniglio. We, yeah, that, that's, that's sort of the sort of uh, players we need and we should have some, some space to do some deals with that. Now, I always struggle with the AFL contracts because... A big fan of American sports, and obviously just from the numbers, that the numbers over there, the salaries are so, so, so much more inflated than you get in the AFL. So, KK, somebody like Jack Darling, I obviously wouldn't know what he's on. The salaries aren't public. But are we thinking, or in your mind, are you thinking, as this is probably one of his last big paydays, are we looking at like 600, 800K? I, I don't even really know where it starts for somebody like that. This is a bloke who was probably the best player in the comp for a good stretch of the season last year and yet we're seeming to get a deal done early before it's necessary. So what's your expectation, hypothetically, you know, for a sort of baseline salary for Jack Darling? I would think probably towards the lower end of what you've stated, just because I don't think as, as a club we, we go for too, too much overpaying of our, of our top players. And you look at the sort of situation Darling's in, in personally. Um, he's married, he's got a couple of young kids. They'd be well settled in Perth. Obviously loves the club. And you do, you do tend to get uh, when when teams are in that premiership window or coming off a flag that they can keep teams together and players taking less than what they'd get on the market market basis. I, I think if he was to be taking a deal at another club, it would be sort of the 800000 a year sort of range. Um, I would be like you. I don't really always keep in touch with what the salary cap is overall and how that equates to what individual players are on. And you're always going to get a premium if you're moving to get someone to move clubs rather than what you're paying at the current club. So I think it would be more about the sort of 600,000. I think he's probably got bigger priorities in terms of the, the family security um, and knowing where his future is at the club that he, he loves than just purely worrying about the financial side of it. Now, Miguel, the club, uh, as KK pointed out, we've got a history of, of getting our affairs in order pretty early. Uh, we don't lose too many players 
to arguments over the salary or nitpicking over a, f- a couple of dollars here or there. We're, pr- we're pretty good at keeping everything in, in order. Uh, so, yeah, looking to get a few deals done early this season. Do you think that's in anticipation of a pretty heavy off-season pursuit of a couple of the stars? And what do you? What, what's your view in general of this whole story? I hope it's in, yeah, it's it's getting our ducks in a row in pursuit of someone like a Canelio or a Tim Kelly. I thought at first you were talking about Josh Kelly. I don't know, we're not much chance of getting him. I forgot about Tim. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Kelly and uh, Jack Martin's the other one who... Um, Although he's been linked with moving to Victoria as well, it'd be nice to get him across. Um, I don't think he qualifies agency, which is one, of the, which is the attraction for Canelio. Um, yeah, uh, good to see both these guys looking to re-sign. Um, with KK, I didn't think there was anything in the the Western Bulldogs story. That was, I think it was Hagdorn. Yeah, it was. To, but it, he wasn't even saying he'd heard he'd heard that the Bulldogs were interested. He was just saying. It was after the Bulldogs game, you know, we'd smashed them. They didn't have a key forward. He was saying, yeah, Darling's coming out of contract next season. He's someone they should have a look at. And it somehow got picked up and run with as you know, the Bulldogs are interested in him. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I get on my soapbox once a week at least, don't I? Yeah, he will hopefully yeah, sign up. He's going to be really important for us. Um, you know, Kennedy's probably, it'll probably be his last season next season, I'd say. Um, so, you know, Darling will continue to take over as the, the focal point of the forward line. Um, so, yeah, if we can get him and um, get him more money that he's happy with, then, yeah, lock that one away. Very good. Now, a couple of other news stories or, I suppose, occurrences that happened throughout the build-up to the Round 13 buy. Uh, firstly, the club put their AFLW Foundation memberships on sale. So it's $50 in total. Just go on the club's website and it's all there, which seems like a really good opportunity uh, to, to get in at the ground floor with the club launching their women's side next season. Uh, and also there was a bit of a development. Frio, unfortunately, had a few injuries, sort of the low, lower limb, stress fracture, those sorts of things. Now the Eagles have seen a fair few their way as well. So both of the WA clubs seem to have come together and put uh, the Optus Stadium turf right in the crossfire there, and they've taken aim at that. The party line from both clubs now seems to be that the turf is a real issue, and uh, that's something to watch going forward. I think now that both clubs seem to be publicly on the same page, uh, we maybe will see a few changes there, or at least that's going to be something that's more present in the media for the next couple of weeks, you would have thought. Sorry, just interrupt on that without wanting to plug another podcast. Um, I don't Gofield ones I was listening to uh, this morning and uh, they had Trevor Nisbet on as a special guest and he well and truly put Optus Stadium and the curator in the crosshairs and said, you know, this is clearly an issue and needs to be addressed. So at the risk of plugging the other uh, the other podcast, he was you know, he, he spoke in sort of corporate speak, but it was you know, reading between the lines, it was pretty clear that they're not happy and they were trying to put some uh, exert some pressure on Optus Stadium through the media. Yeah, and I mean, look, the Eagles have obviously lost a few blokes this season, uh, and I actually think Fremantle got good news on Lob today, but there was a fear that they'd lost Lob for the season because of stress fractures and the like. Uh, Tabiner, they'd obviously lost the week before, so it is becoming an issue. Now, whether it's solely to do with the stadium or not, it's clearly the views of the club that that is something that needs to change, so that's something to watch in the coming weeks. Uh, that's probably all for the news that happened whilst we were away. Now, as we've ramped up into round 14, there's been a bit of news today. Uh, the first story is a pretty disappointing one, really. So every time a player has their birthday, the club, the Eagles this is, film them taking a set shot at goal. The rest of the boys in the squad all get around them, try and distract them. They're throwing footies at them. They're yelling at them, doing anything to try and make them miss this set shot on goal for their birthday. 
Gaffey's taken his birthday kick today, I believe it was, possibly yesterday, and uh, basically it's all been uploaded on social media, all pretty standard practice so far. Now, the disappointing part of this is that Nathan Vardy, in trying to put off uh, Gaffey in, in his kick, has, has been heard on the audio, it's been picked up, he's yelling, uh, Brayshaw, Brayshaw, this sort of stuff at Gaff, trying to put him off, and obviously once the media caught hold of that, it was on for all money, the Gaff, Brayshaw stuff's never going to go away, but uh, this certainly stoked those fires a little bit more. For me, I think I'm probably on the scale where I think it's just a dumb look. I think it probably makes Vardy look a bit stupid, but I don't think it needs to be blown out of proportion. But I'm not naive. It will be blown out of proportion. So, KK, what's your take on this whole incident, and and where do you think this is going to go from here? Yeah, I'm a bit like you. I think it's pretty lucky that there's enough news stories going around this week. Um, It certainly hasn't hit the media too much outside of WA, from what I can tell. I'd only read about it on our our board. I'm, I'm with you. It just... Had to be Vardy, didn't it? After all the Max Corn stuff, you kind of think, like, dude, just sort of slip under the radar for a bit. It, it's just dumb. And as you know, it, it'll be blown up into something that shouldn't be. Um, it, it does kind of give the impression that the club's sort of treating the racial thing as a bit of a joke, which which it isn't, and it, it, it's a bad look. And I'm kind of surprised it wasn't picked up before it got published, really. So someone's, uh, someone's missed a trick there. But as I say, it's just... Just dumb, and hopefully there's enough other noise around it, and we've got a game on Thursday that will dominate the headlines, and everyone will move on and forget about it. I was very excited to read the uh, sanctimonious responses on the Fremantle board, but it seemingly hasn't even hit the Freo board yet on uh, Big Footy, so that's certainly something to watch in the next couple of days. But yeah, as you said, look, not a good look, and uh, you don't want the club treating it as a joke, not that I'm suggesting they are, but you don't want media insinuation that they are. That would be pretty disappointing return to a story that should be long dead and buried. Uh, Miguel, you've seen the video, you've seen a few of the reports floating around. What's your thought on it all? Yeah, and I've just seen 11 minutes ago, the West has tweeted that Ross Lyons already weighed in on it. So yeah, wait for it to blow up in the next, blow up overnight, basically. Um, Stupid by Vardy, uh, stupid by social media team for allowing it to go up. And it's it's going to be a distraction ahead of Thursday night and it'll probably be a distraction ahead of the Derby, which is only a few weeks away. So um, pretty brain dead, if you ask me. I've been made aware of it and I've heard the video, he said. In light of how serious that injury was and the incident, it's really disappointing. But I'll leave that with West Coast. Good stuff, Ross. Thanks very much, mate. Yeah. And the other thing as well is presumably Hamish is somewhere in that line of players. Yeah, this has been a, an element of the story that was sort of touched on at the time, but has kind of faded away. It, it must still be really awkward for him if stuff like this is getting brought up and he's caught between that teammate and brother pair of relationships that he'd have in his life. It's, um, yeah, pretty pretty awkward one for him. Yeah, not a smart move at all. I think in fairness to Ross Lyon, he's, he's clearly been asked a question and responded to it. Um, he's, play, he's played a pretty straight bat. I don't think it's... Uh, we can blame him for a lot of things, but that's, I think that's just the media trying to drive a story and... Yeah, I mean, I guess he could have said no comment, but he, I mean, he didn't really fan the flames too much there. To be clear, there will be no being fair to Ross Lyon on this podcast, so treat that as a warning, KK. This will be the first and last time I want to hear those words on this podcast. Um, look, let's move off this story. It's going to get, I'm sure, it is going to get a lot of airtime in the coming days, unfortunately, so let's not add too much more to that. Another bit of news from this afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, Ben Stratton has been suspended. Uh, the Hawthorne captain obviously was, some Some would suggest it's being rascally on the old AFL 360 rascal patrol that they have there, but for me I thought it was pretty cheap what he was doing, to be honest. 
pinching players, particularly Fantasia. Uh, he's also got been caught on video stomping on a player's leg or ankle, whatever it was, at a contest. Uh, a bad look for your captain, most definitely. He has been suspended for two weeks and as a result will miss next week's clash with the Eagles. KK, what are your thoughts on this incident in general? And, and really, this has been another one, as long with the security story that's blown up over the weekend. So what's your take on the whole incident and do you think two weeks is fair? I think it's fair. I think it's embarrassing if the captain to be doing it. I'd be pretty upset if the, if our captain did it, though. It's the last thing you'd expect Shannon Hearn to do. I think you just play the game. If you can't beat your man fairly, don't pull stupid shit like, like pinching them. Um, so take advantage of the, the fact we don't play in the old where if you, you tried that, you'd, it would get sorted out behind play and on the field. But players know they, they aren't going to cop those consequences these days and they feel like they've got a licence to just do some yeah, pretty ugly shit like that. So um, I think it should be stamped out. I'm glad he got two weeks and you can be pretty certain that he or any other player won't be, be doing it and that's really what the message that should be sent. Yeah, a rare win from the match review panel in that regard in terms of a clear line in the sand and you would think if something like that were to happen again, it's a, pretty, it's a no-brainer that they'll, t- they'll face at least one week, if not two, if there were any repeat offenders on that front. Miguel, your thought on the whole incident, and what do you think this is going to mean down the line for that West Coast Hawthorne matchup? I hadn't realised that they would keep him out of the, the game with us as well. Um, that's pretty important because I think in the past, I think he's done jobs on lacrosse, so he, he's a really good one-on-one defender. I don't know why he had to sort of resort to, to that sort of shit against Fantasia or Fantasia or whatever I call him. <laughs> I won't go into that. I'll get back up on the soapbox. Um, yeah, it's um, big out for them. A complete and utter brain fade by Stratton. He had an absolute um, shocker of a game, uh, stomping on McKernan's foot as well. He got a week for that and uh, and flipping off the crowd. So, uh, yeah, really not the sort of behaviour you want from your captain. He was a bit of a surprise choice as captain and um, yeah, he doesn't seem to be paying off at the moment. So plenty of news on the injury front this week and we have hinted at some earlier. There's certainly one very big news story that's loomed over the West Coast Eagles throughout the last, well, the last few months, if we're being honest. Uh, and we have an update on that. But firstly, we'll get to a few players who were key outs in the Sydney game. And I think it's fair to say that they're all poised to return. Shannon Hearn, Elliot Yo, Oscar Allen. It was their turn to be the surprise late out in our last game. The Eagles have had a few of those this season, but by all accounts, it looks like as long as they get through training in the build-up to Thursday's game, they should all be set to play. So uh, pretty exciting times there, and obviously those three pretty key players to the Eagles in season 2019. But let's get to the big one. And as I say, this has loomed over us for... The, I mean, it's loomed over us for months. It's almost, you could say, loomed over us for a full season at this point because the Nat Nui narrative on the back end of last year didn't go away either. But Nick Nat is back... He is returning after 11 months out from that ACL injury last season. He'll be playing for the Beagles this Saturday against East Fremantle. It's at 11.30am. I think, uh, Miguel, you touched on the weather being no good this weekend, but I'd suggest it'll be quite a popular game this weekend to get along to. Now, he's going to be on a minutes restriction, about 60 minutes or so of game time, the club have said. But Nick Nat, he's back. Miguel, how good is that? Do you like him coming back through the waffle? Do you like the minutes restriction? Just unload. What's what's your thought on the Nick Nat return that we're going to see this weekend? Uh, not too happy about him coming back on a wet day and um, at a, sort of not the best ground in the waffle either. Um, so it's going to be heart and mouth stuff. But 
Yeah, I think the, the amount of time he's been out and he sort of he needs to get out and have a run around and a, and a test of um, his knee in particular, but his whole body really and how it'll stand up. And you can't really afford to you know, have a guy coming in on a minutes restriction in the AFL because you, know, you never know when someone's going to go down with another injury. And you know, if we're down to sort of one and a half on the bench or something, it's you know, it'd be a recipe for disaster. And uh, the season's on such a knife edge at the moment that you can't really afford to, to have that. So, yeah, much better to get him in and have a run around in the waffle where you know, it doesn't the result doesn't matter so much. And you know, if we we end up two men down on the bench and you know, lose the game, no one's really going to care. So, um, yeah, much, much better for that. Um, yeah, just a shame that the, uh, the weather's probably not going to uh, match the spectacle. KK... Nick Nat's obviously one of the most influential players on our list, and I would argue in the league. For a guy like that to be running around in the wet on the return from the knee injury, you know, in the waffle, that sort of stuff, are you happy with the way they've managed this return? Or do you think that perhaps he, he was a candidate to come straight back in? What, what are your thoughts on Nick Nat's management over the last couple of weeks and indeed into this weekend? I think we've just got to trust the club and, and the doctors and Nick himself as to when he should come back. I would love it if he got named as an emergency for the AFL team tomorrow, now that we've said that he's ready to play, just to sort of mess with a few people. Yes, I I trust the club. If they think he should stick to a minutes restriction, then absolutely should. It's going to be hearts and mouth on his comeback, regardless of the the conditions. I do agree, Miguel, it's probably not ideal, but we've got to focus more on the timing rather than trying to find the perfect time to bring him back. People who've seen training said he's he's ready, been ready to go for ages, and I'm not sure what that means for a return to the AFL team. If it's going to be one week in the waffle, if all goes well, or if he'll be back for the derby. Either way, it, it's exciting. It's it's the one thing that gives us a lot of optimism for the back half of the year, because he's a bit like when Rioli came in for his first game. He doesn't need to play a huge amount of minutes or do a huge number of things, but he's, he's so influential when he does get his hands on the ball. Now, you touched there on the potential of Nick Nat being named as an emergency. Uh, I had this pegged as something we could talk about in our Essendon preview a little later on in the pod, but let's get to it now, in fact. So Essendon, we saw previously in the season, they brought Danaher straight in. He wasn't an emergency. They just brought him in on game day. There were rumours a few hours before bounced down that he'd play. He did indeed play. The club were fined, but, you know... Who cares? It's 20 grand and you got the element of surprise. Danaher came out and had a pretty decent game from all memory there as well. So, KK, do you think that there is any chance... We've hypothesised that this was perhaps what the club would be doing with this TBC indefinite timeline he's been on. Do you think there's any chance they'll just sneak him in at the last minute on Thursday's game or, or is this waffle stuff the truth? I think the waffle stuff's probably the truth. I think the, the giveaway will probably be the team that's named... On Wednesday, because if Nat Nui comes in, either one of Hickey or Vardy will be in with him. So if both of them are named, given how awful that partnership was in the last game, then maybe there might be a late change. I would suggest Vardy's not going to be named, given he's Vardy suspended. Oh yeah, suspended. Yeah, suspended. Yeah. So um, in that case, well, Brooksby and then Hickey. If Hickey and Brooksby are named, then there's a chance Nick Nat's going to be a replacement for one of them. But if only one of them is named, then yeah, I don't think um, I don't think he's coming in. Channel Seven have um, switched their broad. I don't know what the broadcast game was previously, but they've now switched this the East Fremantle West Coast game to their broadcast game and moved the time. So and all in expectation that Nat Nui will play. So if he doesn't play, 
the relationship between Channel 7 and the West Coast Eagles will become very fraught for a while, I think, um, if he if he plays AFL and not Waffle. Uh, I'd, it'd be hilarious to see it happen, um, particularly to Essendon, given that they pulled the same stuff earlier in the season, but um, I don't think so. Uh, you know, Simpson, he, he's not a liar. He's not much of a truth bender, and he came out and said flat out on uh, Monday night that Nat Nui would be playing Waffle, so... I um, fully expect that to be the case. And Danaher is now out for the rest of the season, so it might not be a good example to follow. No, exactly. Um, and look, as you both touched on, I think there has to be an element of trust there with the club and also between the club's relationship with Seven, all of this sort of stuff. Maybe the key indicators are indeed that he will be playing Waffle and the minutes restriction is not the worst thing ahead of you know what should be a, a really important back half of the AFL season for Nick Nat. So fingers crossed he gets through unscathed. He will be taking the field alongside one of our Premiership stars, to be honest. Tom Barras has recovered from what was once touted to be a potential 10- to 12-week injury, and he's recovered from it in effectively no time flat, sort of the 8- to 9-week mark. And Now, he last played in Round 4. I believe he was actually a late out ahead of the Round 5 game with one of the stress fracture injuries that we've seen. We touched on with the hard turf. Miguel, I'll start with you. What does his inclusion mean a, for the Beagles, but B, how do you think they're going to manage him? Is he going to be straight back in next week? What do you think they're looking for this weekend before TB comes back to the AFL side full-time? It might just be, yeah, one week and he's, um, and he's back in. We have struggled uh, against some of the, particularly the taller lineups, and you know, we, we saw with Sydney um, just before the bye that you know, we struggled to find a matchup for um, Franklin and Sam Reid, and um, you know, they had Tom McCartan as well, so... Yeah, definitely missed him. Um, Schofield, much as I love him, is sort of a step slower now and doesn't have the marking power and the, the rebounding power of Barras either. So um, his spot might be in a little bit of danger when he does come. But, yeah, I, I think um, if he gets through against East Fremantle, then uh, he might be strapped back into the side the following week. Uh, I'm not so sure about Nat Nui. He might need a bit more of a, more of a lead-up into it. And, yeah, I don't know whether playing him on the MCG against... Melbourne against Hawthorne, sorry, is the best comeback game for him. Mind you, I don't know if the Derby is the best comeback game either. So yeah, it's exactly right. Tough one. And Although then, I don't know who we who's rucking for the Dockers now. It's um basically Sean Darcy's the only one they've got left, isn't it? So, yeah, Darcy did a really good job on the weekend though against uh, Port and Lysette. So yeah, it could be an interesting one there. And I mean, you don't want to return him perhaps at the G, and perhaps you don't want to return him at the Derby, and then the following week is a grand final rematch. So hey, we'll. Uh, Certainly be one to watch with the Nat Nui return. Yeah. Just sticking with Barras uh, for a minute, KK, your thoughts on his return this weekend? And, and is it the sort of thing where you'd expect him to come straight back in next week? Yeah, I think he'll um, he'll probably be in as soon as he's ready. I think we talked last week that he's he's a massive in just because of the, the flexibility he gives us. He's a really good intercept mark. So if, if teams try to get their matchups to make McGovern accountable, Barras then has the ability to, to be that one who can zone off and intercept and with Hearn doing that as well, it makes us so much more dangerous and, um, and able to turn the ball over. Uh, just a couple more injury updates before we move away from this section. Fraser McInnes, he's sat out for the last couple of weeks in the waffle, but he is set to return this week, also listed as a test. Miguel, you touched on it at the top of the pod there, but it'll be interesting to see how they balance all of the height. You know, Nat Nui, Brass, McInnes, Petrie, Brooksby, Brando, Williams, maybe even Rotham this week, so... Will be a pretty tall lineup this weekend, but very good to have the big horse back this weekend as well. Uh, Patrick Bynes is listed as a TBC still, which is very frustrating. 
and Harry Edwards, also a TBC. Now, the next one is probably the one that needs the most unpacking, so I think we'll finish up the injuries with Dan Venables. He was concussed against Melbourne. It was obviously a horrendous-looking incident from the outside, and uh, he has been listed by the club as TBC ever since. For me personally, I am starting to wonder whether it's just best to shut him down for the year or not. Uh, It is frustrating that the club hasn't put a timeline on it, but we've said many times on this podcast before, concussions aren't something you want to mess around with, especially not in a young bloke just trying to get his career underway. Now, Miguel, I personally don't think that the club is a Dan Venables away from being at their best. Not that that should factor into a health decision too heavily, but I wouldn't have thought that there's much benefit in really stringing this along. Do you think it's best that we just say, no, line in the sand, shut him down now and, and you know build up towards 2020, get your head right, get your fitness base up and all of this business, and we'll see you next year? Really hard to answer that without knowing what his condition's like. Um, uh, a few weeks ago, I heard that he was... He was only able to stay in dark rooms and you know, couldn't really do anything. Um, you know, if he's still in that sort of state four weeks later, then, then yeah, you'd look at shutting him down. But I don't know. That's such a tough call to make. You know, the club might want to, might want to leave him, you know, some sort of hope to get back this season because they think it's you know, best for his mental health or, or whatever. So yeah, really hard to know. Um, I'm, I've been getting quite frustrated with the, the open endedness of, uh, of the the Edwards and the um, Paddy Bynes uh, injury reports and Nat Nui before this week, um, who went from you know, indefinite to available, um, but Venables, I'm I'm pretty happy for them to sort of leave it as uh, as open ended as they like because it's um yeah as you said concussion's not something to to stuff around with and you know, potentially going to have an effect on the rest of his life so yeah they can uh, they can you know, do what they like with him. And, and they're reporting of him as far as I'm concerned. KK, your thoughts? I think concussion is something that we, we still know so little about. Almost consider the treatment in terms of recovery time almost like a mental health thing that indefinite or TBC is probably the right diagnosis to put on it because we, we just don't know. Um, so I'm with Miguel. I think it's fair enough if the club wants to do that. Um, but again, I wouldn't be averse to saying, look, we're just going to go ultra-conservative, done for the season. As you say, because he's not a key player, he's probably not getting so much media attention, so the club can really do what they want with it. And so I think it might it might be for the best to, to shut him down, but they're always going to keep that door open just because they don't really know how it's going to go from week to week. But if it's still, he hasn't played in the next month, then there doesn't seem to be too much point in bringing him back in after that, I wouldn't have thought. So just wrapping this one up, we've obviously covered a little bit of the waffle in this one here, and the Eagles, or the Beagles, play East Fremantle this Saturday, uh, 11.30 at New Choice Homes Park. Now, it is on Channel 7, as Miguel said as well, so certainly one of the most anticipated waffle fixtures in a long time. And as we look at our injury table, everybody in the club is either listed as TBC or a test. So fingers crossed that coming out of the Essendon game, everybody's fine. And we should more or less have a fully healthy list to pick from, with the exceptions of Venables, Edwards and Bynes. So the club's in a pretty healthy spot. Uh, Well, there you go. Healthy spot, no pun intended. Right, moving on to the main event for this week. The West Coast Eagles are back in action after a bye, taking on Essendon this Thursday evening at Optus Stadium. 
It's going to be a really important one. Uh, last week, we discussed a few things that we'd like to see on the back end, and you both flagged these next couple of weeks as a real important period for the club, which it is fair to say it absolutely is. The Eagles need to get everything back underway and back in full swing. Uh, under Adam Simpson, the Eagles are 3-2 and two after the bye. We lost last season away against Sydney, which was very disappointing, so a little bit of some similarities there. The previous three seasons, though, 2015, 16 and 17, the club had a few very resounding wins after the bye. Uh, 54 points against Melbourne, 78 points against Essendon in 2016, and then 13 points against Geelong, a pretty crucial win there. So uh, the format of the bye has not been disastrous, but we haven't you know, lit the world on fire either. Interestingly, as good as the Eagles have been under Simo, two and three against Essendon during his tenure. So a bit of a, a hoodoo side, another one to conquer this week. Uh, and the last two games against the Bombers have just been awful. Last season, obviously fresh in everybody's mind, where they just towed us up at home. So, uh, Miguel, we'll start with you. What are your expectations for a game like this? It's obviously a vital one to set up the back half of the year. What do you think is going to be turned in on Thursday night? It's a real concern, um, especially given you know, what you said about the last year's um, result, which... I'd gotten confused. I thought that was coming out of the bye, but we we played Sydney before that, didn't we? And then we had Essendon on the short turnaround. The the one thing I remember from that was Sard and McKenna, not McKenna, McKenna cutting us up to absolute ribbons through the middle, uh, and we just didn't have any speed to go with them. Uh, and McDonald, Tip and Woody as well. So um, that's another concern for this week. Um, we're going to have to make sure that we've got Petrocelli and... Um, would have been nice to have Venables on the side as well, actually, um, and Rioli. Uh, but, yeah, so Petrocelli and Ryan and Cripps and whoever replaces Rioli, whether that's – it could be Jared Cameron. Um, we'll get into changes, I suppose. But um, that those small forwards are going to have a lot of work to do to cut off the quick Essendon backs and, and make sure that the rebounds out of defensive 50 aren't as effortless as they were uh, in the fixture last year and as effortless as they were by Sydney last week, the week before. So um, that's my main concern. Um, I'm glad that the weather will be fine. I think that plays to our strengths a little bit more. It'll you know, help our taller forward targets. And, yeah, hopefully the um, the midfield can get on top as well um, because Essendon's midfield isn't great. Um, but when they do get first use of the ball, they're, they're pretty good going forward. So we Got to deny them that in the first instance and also deny them um, the quick rebound 50s. Yeah, from a personnel point of view, the Eagles should be boosted by the return of Allen, Yo, and Hearn, as I touched on, but a couple of guys suspended, Rioli and Vardy. Uh, Jake Stringer for Essendon is a chance to play despite a pretty serious-looking injury last weekend against Hawthorne. Uh, KK, for you, both clubs effectively have a healthy list to pick from, more or less, so not too many excuses on the injury front for either side, assuming Stringer plays. What are your expectations this Thursday? I think it's going to be a really close game. I think we need to start well. The start's going to be the key. I saw one of the betting companies was offering, uh, they pay out if the, the team you back kicks the first two goals. I think you should uh, take that bet against West Coast every every week, I think. Um, I do think we should beat them. Um, so the, the concern is the, the speed they move the ball uh, on turnovers. I think you need to be really careful if they try that, that tactic that, that Port did against us where they sort of clog up around the half-forward line and we don't keep numbers defensive side of, the, of those um, contested ball situations and get cut up the other way. We really need to be mindful of that. And, and the, the half-forwards, 
you need to be be key to that. The guy did mention of, of Ryan and Cripps and Petricelli. Sheets, another one, has a tendency to, to get ahead of the contest. They really need to be careful of that. And I think the, the more we can turn it into a a slower game, um, a sort of stoppage-based game is going to going to be out to our favour and to, to their detriment. Yeah, at their best, Essendon really capable of playing some high-octane offensive football. They had a, a run of victories in their early stage of the season where 130, 112, 116 points in, in back-to-back-to-back weeks. Since then, scoring's been a little hard to come by uh, for them, but certainly a side that, look, obviously everybody looks better in wins than losses, but in their wins, they have looked very, very powerful in some instances. Last weekend, or last Friday, in fact, they played the Hawks and they won by 19. It was a lot bigger of a margin than that, though. Hawthorne really kicked a couple late and, and made a bit of more of a show of it than perhaps it was. So Essendon coming in in some decent form. Now, Miguel, we talked about the speed around the ground. I believe you've even mentioned uh, McDonald Tip and Woody's name uh, in your first response there. So let's start at that matchup. Who's going to play on, on Tipper? Because in their wins... He's kicked four goals, seven goals, two goals, three goals, and three goals. Now, interestingly, last week they did win. He kicked zero goals. But uh, he has yet to score a goal in any of their losses. It's a remarkable feat. It's a remarkable stat. And definitely fair to say that if Tipper's on, there's every chance that Essendon are going to win the game. So who do you want to see go to him? It's a really good question. Um, And I suppose we'll get to ins and outs. But you'd almost consider, I'd almost consider bringing in Jackson Nelson for the sole purpose of shutting him down. Otherwise, I suppose it's really up to probably Cole or Duggan. Neither of them have been have been set in the world light this season. Cole, I think, spent a fair bit of time on Papley last week, and Papley obviously tore us to shreds five goals. Um, so you know, if they want to, um, if the selection committee want to sort of make an example of someone for that loss, then Cole might be in the gun. Um, but yeah, so I suppose it's one of those guys. None of them have particularly great pace, um, which is obviously Tip and Woody's strength. So, yeah, for that reason, I'd be possibly looking at bringing in Nelson to play on him. That's definitely an interesting angle. It's certainly not one that I've thought of, but now that you've raised it, I actually really quite like the idea. KK, I mean, you look at Tip and Woody's output in wins versus losses. At this late stage of the season, it is remarkable that he's still yet to kick a goal when they lose. So for you, I mean, they've obviously got some danger games. Is he the most important player to shut down or is there a matchup somewhere else that you'd like to see us point out as the 1A player to shut down first? I quite like Shep as a, as a shutdown role on him. Um, he seems to be the man if we do need a shutdown on a dangerous play small forward. He's, I think of his record against Robbie Gray. He's had a terrific record against him and I'd probably go Shepard first. Um Fantasia is probably as much of a concern as Tip and Woody is. But as you say, like he is the barometer for them. So, yeah, shut him down first, and I'd, I'd have Shepard for that role. Um, like you, I hadn't sort of considered the Nelson the Nelson job. Um, even with Nelson in, I'd maybe have Nelson on Fantasia and, and Shepard on Tip and Woody. Look, while we're discussing changes, we might as well get into it. KK, I'll, I'll stay with you on this one, and then Miguel will we'll throw it across to you. We're going to have some force changes, as we've discussed. Rioli out, Vardy out, suspended. But the Sydney effort was clearly not good enough. If you go through our changes thread, people are swinging the axe, and we're looking at four, five, six, seven, eight changes. Uh, so for you, do you think they've had the bye week to consider it? We should have a few more healthy veteran bodies to come back in. Who do you think are going to be the ins and outs this weekend? I think the three... There's three pretty clear ins. So Alan, Hearn and Yo 
um, certainly best 22 when fit. So we have to make the assumption available as Staten. Vardy and Rioli out. Uh, Smith, you'd have to say, is pretty clear out. He was only in as a replacement for Yo and didn't do enough to justify his spot. So the question is, do we uh, make a fourth change? I don't really... There's no one really standing out as a clear replacement for Rioli. Um, I also think I'd probably drop Cole to Fahern and, and keep Rotherham in his place. Um, makes us kind of tall, but Rotherham is pretty mobile. I think he could play on a variety of different sizes. And, and Cole's been out of form for a while. I think he could probably do with a spell out of the team. And that leaves me... Uh, I've got a, a blank coming in for Rioli. It might even be be a Mastin recall just for the, the run. I know he doesn't add pace, um, but he does cover ground and he is a good defensive runner, which we may need to um, to cover off of their turnover ball. So I'll, I'll keep it to four changes. I, I struggle to even find a fourth player to come in. I don't want to make any more changes to that. And I, I don't think the likes of Cameron and the other sort of Potential players like Archie, now I don't really think of the, the type of player we want to bring in for this game. Yeah, so the Hearn, Yo, Allen changes sort of make themselves. For myself, yes, yeah, Smith comes out, Vardy comes out, and Rioli obviously has to come out. Now, I would take Rotham out. The, the way I looked at it was Yo for Smith, Hearn for Rotham, Allen for Vardy. That's pretty easy. And then you've got the question of what do you do with Rioli. Uh, I'm like you. I don't feel comfortable with Cameron or Archie. I had them both down on paper and sort of said, pick one, I'm not really too bothered. But now that Miguel's mentioned Jackson Nelson, uh, I haven't done the maths on what that does for our forward, mid and backline distribution, but I like that Nelson in, uh, Miguel. So I'll throw to you now with your changes. So for me, Yo, Hearn, Allen, Nelson in, and then Smith, Rotham, Vardy, Rioli out. So what's your take for this Thursday's game? Um, yeah, I think Allen for Vardy's an obvious one. Yo for Smith is an obvious one, I think. Um, Hearn for Rotham, unfortunately for Rotham, I think is an obvious one as well. Um, I would strongly look at that Nelson for Cole option. I think if you don't drop Cole, then you're left with an extra... Did you drop Cole? I can't remember now. No, if I just don't, had, then yeah, Nelson for yeah. Rioli, which might throw the numbers out a little bit, actually. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you're sort of pushing someone, whether it's pushing Duggan forward or into the midfield or something, so... Yeah, that, that Rioli spot is a difficult one. Um, and I think Cameron's probably the best like-for-like. Like. And they've been looking at... Uh, he's been close to the squad a number of times. He had seven tackles, although he didn't touch the ball much in his last last game. And you know, they'll be looking for someone who can put a bit of de- defensive pressure on in the forward line. So I think this would be a good game to debut him in. And, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that at all. So, um, yeah, that my four changes would be... Hearn, Yo, Allen, and no, no. Have I now got five changes? No, no. Hearn. No. <laughs> yeah. I've lost track myself. This is the problem when I'm not posting my team. Um, Hearn, Yo, Allen, and Nelson. I've got five, haven't I? You do. Yeah. If you've got Nelson yeah. for Cole, yep. Hearn, Yo, Allen, Nelson, and um, Cameron for Vardy, Rotham, Cole. Rioli and who else have I dropped? Josh Smith, the most forgettable man on earth. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. We got 
Yeah, we, we got there in the end. Miguel, I'll stick with you for this one then. Look, we've all flagged it. Very important game. The Eagles should want to come out and make a statement off the bye and say, hey, look, second half of the season, reigning premiers, time for us to flex our muscles. So with that in mind, what is your prediction for this weekend's game, this Thursday's game, and uh, who is going to be the best Eagle on ground? We all picked us to beat Sydney last time, didn't we? And that, that went poorly. Um, I have a real bad feeling about this. But I'll tip us nonetheless um, with no confidence whatsoever. So I'll pick us by, say, 10 points. Uh, and the best on ground will be uh, the returning Elliot Yo. Um, the game will be won and lost, I think, in the midfield. Uh, and yeah, his, uh, his grunt around the ball and his tackling pressure and um, clearance work was sorely missed against Sydney. So yeah, I'll pick him to come in and, um, and dominate uh, the Essendon the midfield and have a blinder. Very good. KK, your thoughts on this Thursday's outcome and who's going to impress us? I'm going to tip us. I think it'll be a bit of an arm wrestle. If we start well enough and we don't get blown out like last time, then I think we can get the game on our terms in the second half. I think Darling will be our key and um, our marking power in the air with him leading that will, will be what will sort of break, um, break the game in our favour later on, but I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a pretty low-scoring game as well. Um, Essendon have really... You said their scoring's kind of dried up from early in the season, um, but their defence has really cranked up since then as well. So I, I don't think it's going to be a hugely high-scoring game. I'll take us by 15 points and a, a darling to be our, our best player. For myself, I'm going to predict an Eagles win as well. Now, a little bit more confident or perhaps reckless than both of you. I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win by 34. They've had a full week off to assess and game plan, not only for the back end of the year, but also specifically for this game. Uh, It's a fixture that we've struggled with under Adam Simpson, as I mentioned, against Essendon. So I'll hope that they've learned some lessons since then and made a real focal point to get off to a good start. So the Eagles are going to win by 34. Best on ground, I've got Andrew Gaff. Essendon, in their recent weeks, have a history of allowing a lot of disposals. Uh, Against the Hawks, I think four blokes had above 30. They played the Tigers a few weeks ago, and two blokes had above 35. Uh, Mundy got 34 when they played Frio. So, you know, they've made a a real effort to crack down on maybe the star inside mid. You saw them crack down on, on Cripps really well and crack down on Fife pretty decently as well. But I think that frees up a guy like Andrew Gaff to really rack up the touches on the outside. So let's say that Gaffy's going to be our best on this weekend. Right, other than that, I think we are done. It has been a big week for news, and there's been plenty to discuss and dissect throughout a very eventful bye week. But we're back into the real stuff now, and as we've mentioned, this is the really important game. Time to put a statement out there to the rest of the league and say that the Eagles in 2019 are still a force to be reckoned with. KK, thanks very much for coming on the pod to discuss just that. No problem. Final, I think it's going to be one of those games where you'll know in the first five minutes whether we're going to win or not. So I'll stay off the board after 6.15pm on Thursday. Perfect, very good. Uh, and Miguel, thank you as always for coming on the pod and dissecting what has been a crazy busy bye week. Yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, crazy busy week. Uh, yeah, hopefully there's a, a bright light coming at the end of it. That's it. Fingers crossed for that. Fingers crossed for a good performance and definitely a good outcome for the West Coast Eagles. Thursday's match this week, very important. Saturday's waffle match this week, very important. Uh, we will have plenty to discuss next week when we reconvene at the same time as always. Until then, we will see you in in a week and we'll see you around on the board. 
Fingers crossed for the Eagles this weekend, and all the best for round 14. Bye. Bye. Bye.